All right, friends, before we approach uh, God's word, let's bow our heads in prayer. Uh, Gracious God, uh, your word is just such a gift to us. Be with us now as we open it and as we hear some stories from the ancient book of Genesis and help us to learn from these folks who lived so long ago, yet who can speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we continue on in Hebrews chapter 11. And just to remind us all of what we're doing, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and the list, there's literally a list there of stalwarts in the faith who lived long, long ago, but who can guide us in our lives of faith today. So two weeks ago, we heard Pastor Derek preach about Abraham. One week ago, we heard Mike preach about Isaac. So come on now, you know your Bibles, right? If we're going to talk about Abraham, then we're going to talk about Isaac. Then who comes next but Jacob, right? So today, we're going to talk about Jacob. For these three men are truly the patriarchs of our faith, Jacob was the father of 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel who then were joined together in the one original nation of Israel or God's people. So Jacob is without question incredibly important and incredibly formative for our faith. But Jacob was no saint, Jacob was not always nice. He was not always honest. And to be honest with you, sometimes Jacob was kind of a jerk. But yet God used him. He used him so importantly to form God's people and to teach us today. There are many stories about Jacob in the book of Genesis, and today I have chosen to pull out the story, one of the stories, I'll say, of his relationship with his twin brother Esau, all in an effort, again, to to learn from their dealings with one another and to grow closer to our Lord. So I've chosen for us today chapter 27. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 15 through 23. And then we're going to skip ahead a little bit and hear about uh, a different incident in Jacob's life, one of his uh, uh, conversations with God, and that will come from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. So let's listen now for the word of the Lord. When Isaac was old... And his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son. Esau answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt some game for me. Then prepare for me savory food such as I like. And bring it to me to eat, so that I may bless you before I die. Now Isaac's wife, Rebecca, hears this conversation. She's out in the hall overhearing this, and she does not want this to happen. So verse 15 tells us, Then Rebecca took the best garments of her elder son Esau, 
which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread she had prepared to her son, Jacob. So Jacob went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Jacob answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, Hmm, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so Isaac blessed him. And now we skip to chapter 28 to where Jacob has run away from his family and is there in the wilderness and has an encounter with God. Verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching up to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate to heaven. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray one more time, please. Gracious God, now we have heard these stories from the life of patriarch Jacob. Lord, these stories confuse us because we see Jacob uh, for the, the human that he is. So be with us now through the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to learn from him, from his mistakes, from his successes. Help us to learn, Lord, also that we can follow you and your son, Jesus Christ, more closely with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, what we see here in these scriptures today is sibling rivalry, right? We all know what this is. Sibling rivalry has been with us since the beginning of human beings. 
We can find evidence of it everywhere we look in life. We can certainly find evidence of it on TV and in the movies, which are our reflection of our lives. Those of us old enough to remember, and I'm dating myself with this, someone will remember the long-running TV show Dallas, right? Dallas. It ran for 13 years, and in all of those 13 years, one of the central focuses of that show was the sibling rivalry between brothers Bobby and J.R. Ewing over control of Ewing Oil. How many episodes ended with J.R. saying something horrible and Bobby popping him right in the nose? And then they tussled and most of the time they ended up in the family swimming pool, right? Floating around and, and in a big melee, right? I spent years watching them fight. And the first book series that I ever completed in my life was not Harry Potter, but was the Godfather series of books, which of course were eventually made into Academy Award-winning movies. Those books, again, focused on the sibling rivalry within the Corleone crime family, the infighting between brothers Sonny and Michael over control of, well, the family business. And today, even the smallest children among us know all about sibling rivalry as one of Disney's biggest grossing films, The Lion King, has sibling rivalry at its core. The movie opens with one brother, Scar, arranging the death of the other brother, Mufasa, all in an effort to gain that throne and become the Lion King. And in the world of politics, all we have to do is look across the pond to see royals William and Harry fighting for years over duties of the throne. And even in the world of sports, boy, we love this one. We love to turn on Sunday night football and watch brothers T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt go at it on the football field, don't we? That rivalry doesn't happen every year, but oh, when it does, we turn it on and the media just makes a big deal out of it, right? Brother fighting brother on the football field. The struggle between siblings is very, very real. As the mother of twins myself, I know that this story about Jacob and Esau is true because having twins is not easy. You go through times of competitiveness and resentment, times of bitter infighting and name-calling. And as the mother, right, I often held my breath and just waited for the tensions to subside and we could all be one happy family again. The story of Jacob from the book of Genesis is just such a tale. Our scripture readings for today tell the story, the awful story, of the sibling rivalry in which Jacob steals, literally steals the father's blessing and birthright from his brother Esau and then runs away in fear. In chapter 27, we see where where Isaac, the dad, has finally realized that his days on earth are coming to an end And so he tells Esau to bring some food to him and prepare himself, quote, so that I may bless you, Esau, before I die. 
But Isaac's wife, Rebecca, is out there in the hall. She's listening, right? She's listening to her husband prepare this blessing, and she doesn't want this to happen. She doesn't want Esau to get the blessing. She wants Jacob to get it. And so she prepares Jacob, and she gives him food, and she urges him to go in and take, steal that blessing from Esau. Friends, this scene is honestly nothing short of shocking. We see this frail, elderly, blind Isaac reclining in his bed as Jacob enters. And Isaac looks up and says, who are you, my son? Jacob looks at his his dying father and lies by saying, I am Esau, your firstborn. Although Isaac is blind, he's not a pushover. And he pushes back a couple of times and asks a few questions. He says, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, right? And then he asks again, are you really my son Esau? And once again, Jacob looks at his dying blind father and replies, I am. I am. So Jacob receives this family blessing based on a lie. This is nothing short of shocking behavior, certainly from one of the the patriarchs of our faith. In this culture, our culture today, it would be sort of like a, a child going to their parent who maybe has dementia or something and getting that parent to sign over all of his or her assets to that one child at the exclusion of everybody else. That's what this is like in this story. It is deception, plain and simple. And then it gets even worse. For in a segment of scripture that I did not read aloud, we see the heartbroken Esau coming into the room where his father lays. Esau is devastated. Scripture says when Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, dad. Oh, come on, bless me too. But it's too late. It's too late. And Jacob is gone, running away into the wilderness and taking his father's blessing with him. I mean, can't you just see Bobby and J.R. thrashing around in the pool, right? And so time passes and the events of life unfold for these brothers. They take wives, they have children, they get animals, they get land, they both become successful. And there comes a point in Jacob's life when he realizes that he needs to go back and make amends with his brother, He fully believes that Esau is going to reject him. And so the tension builds and builds until we get to chapter 32 when we see the long-lost brothers reunite. Thankfully, Scripture gives us a happy ending to this tale. As it says, Esau ran to meet Jacob, embraced him, and the tears flow for both brothers. They introduce their wives and children, and it is clear that these siblings are are putting their past behind them and letting the family ties win the day. And throughout all, all of Jacob's conniving, 
And believe me, I didn't even read all of it for you today. I I left many parts out. Through all of Jacob's conniving, through his lies, through his selfishness, and through his deceit, God is there. God keeps popping up in Jacob's life at these inexplainable times, including in chapter 28, in that famous scene that I did read for you. The incredible faithfulness of the Lord is shown in that scene despite Jacob's sin. We have Jacob running away from his family, sleeping out in the wilderness, and we have that beautiful scene just so wonderfully depicted in art over the years and music, where Jacob sees a ladder going up and down from heaven. Your translation may have a stairway, right? Up and down from heaven, he sees, with angels going up and angels coming down. And then the voice of God speaks to Jacob, saying, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offering and to all the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. This is amazing. This is the same covenantal promise that was given to Abraham, that was given to Isaac, and is now being given to Jacob. Despite everything, despite the fact that Jacob deserves none of this, God makes this amazing covenant with him, and God abides by his covenant. Biblical scholar Renita Weems describes Jacob as the first real human being in the book of Genesis. She says that Jacob exhibits a much wider range of human behavior than the perfect Abraham or the courageous Noah. And although we might not want to admit it, Weems says, we, we, can identify with Jacob much better, much better. So identifying with Jacob and his circumstances and his range of human behaviors, what can he teach us about living a faithful life today? Well, firstly, Jacob gives hope. He gives hope to all of us here who live our lives as less than perfect people, right? Everybody. Everybody here. And yet those of us who strive to remain in God's good graces. If we're honest, every one of us here today has been nasty at times. Every one of us here has been deceitful. Every one of us here has been a jerk at some point in our lives. Every one of us here has fallen short of the grace of God. The Apostle Paul, who was so very aware of this, so very aware of his sin, wrote, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Right? He can't help himself. So Paul's saying, I I can't help myself, Lord. Among all of the patriarchs, all of them, Jacob is the most human because he makes the most mistakes. And maybe one of the reasons we identify with him comes from our deep, deep desire that God will stand by us too, despite everything, right? Despite everything. 
And finally, I think I want to point out that it's not just Jacob's foibles that we learn from. We learn from watching Jacob as he lives out of a mode of scarcity, I call it, a mode of scarcity. He honestly believes at the beginning of this story that there is only one blessing from his father, enough for one boy, right? One. Yet God finds Jacob in the middle of the wilderness and While we often focus on that ladder, right, the beautiful angels going up and down, what we need to focus on is God grabbing Jacob by the shoulders and saying to him, Jacob, for heaven's sakes, you don't have to steal a blessing. You already have my blessing, right? You don't have to steal it. I think sometimes we forget this and and we need the Jacobs of the world to remind us. We like to go around saying, well, you know, know, God's, God's love is, well, it's maybe this big, right? And I know I have sinned, but oh, for heaven's sakes, my sin isn't as bad as his or hers, right? So I gotta be, I gotta be up there on the list of people going to heaven with God, right? I mean, that ladder, I want the position way up there. I want to be first. I want to be first in the kingdom of God, right? Because, you know, I'm not as bad as others. Friends, there is more than enough of God's love to go around. It's one of the only things I can think of in this world of which there is infinite supply. Just because we have some doesn't mean that others can't have it as well. That's why we welcome new people into our church. Right? We got a lot of names on our roster. But last week we welcomed in a wonderful group and we say, you know what, friends? There's a seat in the pew for you, right? Because God's love is infinite. There is no need for sibling rivalry. As God calls us all his children and he desires that every single human being alive be brought into his family of faith. Even poor Esau who initially had that blessing stolen from him, well, you can see in Scripture that he does well. He has wives and children and animals and success. He has blessing too. So friends, let us, without question, work as best we can to follow Jesus and love Jesus and abide by his teachings. Yet let us know that even on the days when we more resemble Jacob than Jesus, that God still loves us no matter what. Praise be to God. Amen.